We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Indiana Pacers have hired Toronto Raptors assistant coach Nate Bjorkgren. As their new head coach, Bjorkgren spent the last two seasons on Nick Nurse's staff in Toronto, winning an NBA title in 2019. He replaces Nate McMillan, who left after leading the Pacers to four playoff appearances in his four seasons there. You're listening to Setting the Pace. Now, here's your hosts, Alex Golden and Michael J. Fauci. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace on IndieSportsLegends.com. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me as he does every week, the one and only Michael J. Fauci. Fauci, big news today for Pacer Nation. Big news, the wait is over. We can hear ourselves in the news without it just being about Victor Oladipo. The Pacers have finally settled on a head coach, Nate Bjorgren. And uh, I like it a lot from Toronto. I think that this is someone that we should be very excited about. Yeah, so um, give me a little bit of an education there. How do you say that last name? Bjorgren. Bjorken. So it's like, it, it takes a couple times, you know, the, the best way to, to sound it out, B orc grin Bjorken. I'm going to have to work on that. We're going to be saying his name a lot. I feel like, um, unfortunately, I don't know if I'm going to be great at it. I don't know why this one is like a real tongue twister for me, but, uh, Nate Bjorgren. I, okay. I'm, I think I can do it, but yeah. So there's a lot of interesting things here, Fachi. And I want to say the first thing that st- stood out to me is like, his name was mentioned by Nick Nurse as a finalist for the Pacers head coaching job, right? So it's like that's pretty much the only time we heard his name surface. Like none of the insiders like Woj or Shams had actually come out and said anything regarding 
um, Nate Bjorgren being a candidate for the Pacers or a finalist. So it kind of just felt like he was not part of it. And it was uh, appeared to be down to four guys, Dan Craig, Chris Finch, Chauncey Billups, and Mike D'Antoni. And then all of a sudden, here comes Bjorgen out of nowhere with the elbow drop off the top rope coming for the one, two, three pin. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's really awesome to see because I think that he brings a lot of qualities that the Pacers were looking for. Love a good wrestling reference. I'm actually wearing an NWO shirt as we speak, but I, I love this move also, just like you mentioned before, very interesting because without that Nick Nurse comment, it, honestly, everyone would have been blindsided, but the fact that I feel like I was at least aware of that comment, I know you were from Nick Nurse, uh, it, it felt like less of a surprise and more of excitement. Mm-hmm. So some of the other names, like obviously, you know, a guy like Chris Finch, a guy like Dan Craig, you know, hadn't had their shot at a head coach. So uh, I was intrigued by, by those options, as was a lot of the Pacer fans. But I'm very happy that we didn't go in the Dave Yeager area. I even soured on Dan Tony about probably about close to a month ago. Kind of, I like the idea of someone new. And in terms of Nick Nurse, for, for I mean, in terms of Nate Bjork that people aren't familiar with, he is like as close to Nick Nurse as it possibly gets. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has been attached to uh, Nick Nurse for over 25 years, as crazy as that is. Alex, doing some research, Nick Nurse coached him at the University of South Dakota when Nick yeah. was an assistant coach. So they go back all the way over there. He takes Nick as, as an unpaid, you know, intern, a volunteer over in the G League, you know, over for the Iowa Energy. Then he ends up becoming, you know, an assistant coach for a few years over there. They, they had numerous uh, stops together. And Nate was all, I mean, yeah, Nate was also Nick's first hire as a Toronto Raptors head coach. Clearly, Nick Nurse believes in this guy, and everybody's looking for the next Nick Nurse right now. So, I like it that this move kind of went under the radar because there's still quite a few teams that need a head coach. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think for, um, as far as the Pacers go, and the release today, this is what Kevin Pritchard had to say. He said, we are very pleased and excited to have Nate as our new coach. This was an extensive and thorough search. And when we, and when we reached the conclusion, we felt strongly Nate is the right coach for us at the right time. He comes from a winning background, has experienced championship success, is innovative, and, is, and his communication skills, along with his positivity, are tremendous. We all look forward to a long, successful partnership in helping the Pacers move forward. And Fachi, I'm going to stop right there. That last sentence is exactly what I wanted. I was talking the last couple episodes with uh, Mark Schindler and Kent Sterling on our, uh, on my little Pacers podcast Palooza that we're doing here. And I said, I want a coach that's going to be here for the long haul. I don't want a four-year coach. I'm tired of these coaches getting fired for four years because we're unhappy with their playoff uh, you know, success. I want to see a coach that's going to develop these guys and get them in the right path to to win i mean look at what toronto has done with undrafted free agents fred van vliet and terrence davis i mean they've done a great job of of, of finding talent late in the draft and and developing them and i think that he could be that guy so that is why i like all the things there that kevin pritchard said and don't know much about him but from what that resume shows i'm pretty excited oh yeah i'm excited over here you know digging up my shovel just digging up some dirt and some facts on nate I I have to be excited because you're talking about a guy that was also in charge of player development 
while with the Phoenix Suns, someone who has a relationship with TJ Warren over there, someone who across the board has shown growth. I mean, you're talking about he was uh, a walk-on over in college, okay? Then you're talking about when he finally, you know, obviously he wins the you know G League championship with Nick Nurse, but then takes over the Iowa energy, and when he did, he brought them from 14 and 36 to 31 and 19. That shows improvement over there. When he was a G League head coach over in Bakersfield, took them from 24 and 26 to 34 and 16. It's little things like this that shows improvement. He's coached at the high school level, which you know doesn't really you know show much, but it's much more than a guy like Chauncey Billups had. We love yeah. Chauncey Billups. We we do because I feel like a lot of our generation grew up watching him. It was someone that wasn't a mystery. But this is someone who, while he doesn't have NBA head coaching experience, Nate has experience everywhere else, everywhere yeah. else that you could possibly really imagine. And I just feel like he's he's shown, you know, just positivity. When you talk about positivity, that was, you know, shown in the statement from uh, Pritchard. Um, Kyle Lowry, he has a great relationship with Kyle Lowry. Lowry said that, you know, to use some foul language, said he was the effing man and that he's also a happy-go-lucky guy that always stays positive. Pascal Siakam said that he's someone that you can feel his energy. You feel he's a great coach, he's likable, and he's very serious about his job. I just feel like those are all great qualities that you want. And when you talk about a coach wanting to be here for a while, at 45 years old, he's just getting started. It's not like Mike D'Antoni, who's 69 years old, where, you know, is his heart really still in it? How many years does he have left? No, no, no. Nate's just getting started, and I love the fact that it's in Indiana. Well, what's really awesome, too, is um, in his comments on the press release today from the Pacers, Nate Bjorgren said, I am honored to take on this role as head coach of the Indiana Pacers. This is something I have prepared for during my career. I want to thank Kevin, Chad, Kelly, Larry Bird, Donnie Walsh, and Herb and Steve Simon for this opportunity. I also want to thank Nick Nurse for giving me my first professional coaching job 14 years ago. So he's been doing this for 14 years now professionally. He said, I'm looking forward to working with this great team to achieve our goal as NBA champions. So, you know, I mean, that's that's as positive as you can get right there. And, and we talked about it, like when his name kind of got brought up, it was kind of an unknown, but I, I watched that 15-minute video that the Raptors put out, and I shared it again today when I shared my thoughts from the beginning uh, about him being hired. And I think one of the most interesting things about him is just the way he communicated with, with Nick Nurse and the things that the assignments that Nick Nurse would give him. So there's a lot going on there, Foch, and I think that we have a lot to be excited about. We really do. I mean, this is a guy who is a grinder who, to, to make it to, to where he is today. I mean, Nick, Nick, uh, Nick Nurse said that <laughs> Nate was relentless when he first wanted to get into coaching of just basically doing everything, you know, knocking on his door, sending him emails, calls, everything possible, and was a volunteer, an unpaid volunteer as his first year as an assistant coach with Nick Nurse and Iowa Energy. His second year, he made $500. And his third year, a whopping $2,500 while being a part-time gym teacher for those years to get to where he is today. This is someone who I, I read that was actually being looked at as a potential head coach in Phoenix a few years ago when they ended up going with Earl Watson. And when Watson was fired, he was one of just two coaches left on the bench. So clearly, I mean, that was someone that they saw something in at the time. You know, it's obviously been quite a few years from now. I think that was about, you know, 2016. So, you know, he, he's grown a lot as a coach, but we're also 
seeing a lot of the qualities that we want in this Pacers team that we saw in the Raptors. Now, obviously, we can't just credit uh, Nate for all of this, but we're talking about, obviously, the Raptors were champions. Sure, great. Yeah. They've had the second-best record in the league each of the last two years. They were sixth in three-pointers attempted this past year, and then they were 11th the previous year. They were fifth in field goal percentage. I mean, they're fifth in three-point percentage last year, and sixth the year before that. I mean, this is a team that has shot the ball well, they defend well. As a defensive unit, they were number one in points per game this year, despite losing Kawhi and Danny Green. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of the qualities that we want of being a good defensive team, but also being more modern, being able to shoot the three ball more. You know, so I, I'm really excited over here. I want to see how he's going to fill out this coaching staff, but I'm very happy that the Pacers were able to get this done before you know, maybe the likes of the Pelicans or the Rockets or even the Thunder, you know, we're, we're looking to hire him. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know because his name was pretty quiet. I hadn't heard it mentioned anywhere else besides Indiana. And I, I, I you hit on some really good points, and I want to get to that in our next segment um, because Jay Michael put out a really interesting article about the entire uh, coaching search and, and the future with uh, his coaching staff. So I want to get to that after this, but I, I, I thought it was cool. Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors put out a quote from Nick Nurse, and he said, Nate and I have known each other for 30 years, and I'll miss having him next to me on our bench. And I know the Raptors players and staff will miss working with him every day. With Nate, the Pacers are getting someone who is ready to lead an NBA team, who is always prepared and is super positive, who knows what it takes to win a championship at any level, and is willing to put in the work to get there. He's done pretty good for a guy from Storm Lake, Iowa, the second best city in the state. So, you know, I'm sure there's a little bit of a joke there with the, uh, with the Iowa and the, and the cities there with him and uh, Nick Nurse. But I just think that hearing that from Nick Nurse, that's a really nice ringing endorsement of a guy that he's known for 30 years and who's, you know, uh, been a part of his coaching staff for 14 years. I just, you know, it's always these unknowns, these, these non-retreads that are interesting, and you're not really sure what to think, but I think that this actually is a sign of a, a, of a positive hire. And I think that a lot of Pacer fans should be excited, even though this might be considered um, by a lot of people, a cheap hire. Yeah, sure. You can go with a, a cheap hire. There's, there's a plenty of different ways that you can word it, but I like this hire way better than overpaying for Mike D'Antoni when, you yeah. know, D'Antoni, you'd have to overhaul a lot of the team to, to bring in certain pieces for him. I feel like, to get your first head coaching job in the NBA and to have this Pacers roster, that's got to be really appealing. I mean, he's not going to coach the Cavs, you know. I mean, this is this is definitely a roster that is a playoff-worthy team, you know, year in, year out. And when you think about a name like Chauncey Billups, who a lot of, a lot of people did want, you know, what if Chauncey had gotten swept? I mean, does he get the excuse of then, well, it's his first year, you know, as a head coach over here? Like, I think we're ready to hit the ground running. Yeah, You know, with Nate, I, I really do. I mean, it's definitely ironic, you know, to say that both coaches' names are Nate. But at the same point, you know, <laughs> it, it's something that we just got to get used to. This sounds like a Nate that you could say with a little bit more positivity in your voice than the last Nate. No offense, McMillan. Yeah, this is the great Nate, you know what I mean? So, uh, um, yeah, but let's take a quick break, Fachi, and let's come back and talk about that J. Michael article. That will give us a little bit of a heads up on what direction the Pacers coaching staff could be looking All right, everybody, we are back, and we're going to talk a little bit about J. Michael's article 
discussing the coaching search and, uh, you know, why the Pacers decided to go with Nate Bjorgren and what, what we can think of or what we can figure out with his coaching staff going forward. So, Foch, I don't know if you saw his um, article on, on Twitter. I think it was an insider only. So I am a subscriber to the Indy Star, so I went ahead and did that. But um, there was three things that the Pacers were looking for when it came to hiring a coach. And, and, and the three things were 21st century approach, adaptability, and development. And I think that all three of those things are very, very important because the Pacers, we've been talking about it. They have to have a developer in that front, in that, in that coaching uh, seat. So, you know, we don't want to see guys like Goga not get playing time and not get a chance to develop his game. 21st century approach, I think that that's pretty self-explanatory. Nate McMillan was old school. They want someone that's new school. So um, adaptability, you know, someone that's the, – the quote here is, Bjorgren won a G League championship in 2011 as an assistant coach while Nurse was the head coach. Both went on to join the NBA staff and win the Raptors their first title in 2019. But with uh, constant rosters overturning in the G League, his foundation uh, – well, wait a second. With constantly overturning rosters in the G League, his foundation has changed. They wanted a coach comfortable and rooted – in that kind of culture, the Raptors are unique in how they manage your assistants, rotating responsibilities in 10 to 12 game segments. Bjorgen was responsible for the box and one defense in the NBA finals that shut Golden State down. So I think that's interesting right there, Foch. <laughs> Gotta love that. I love that tidbit right there because hearing something like that, to have it really pay off on the biggest level shows that this guy really is innovative. He's got ideas. He's not just, you know, one of like, Bill Belichick's assistants where, you know, there's a dime a dozen and they become head coaches and they flake out. This is Nick Nurse's guy. This is his go-to guy. This is the first guy on the Nick Nurse tree. And I just feel like everything that I've read on, on his background shows that he's been able to succeed in where he's been. The Phoenix, that's, that's a whole other situation. I mean, it's not like he was the head coach there or whatever. They've been a disaster. But the fact that they even kept him shows that they didn't think that he wasn't, he wasn't a big part of that disaster. So mm. uh, I love the, the advancements that he's made, you know, in the past and player development. I mean, when we talked about the undrafted free agents that they've had, I mean, what about the development that we've seen out of guys like Fred Van Vliet or Pascal Siakam? Yep. I mean, you know, we don't want to just give – Bjork can just credit for everything. But at the same point, I do think that he's had his hand in a lot of the improvement that we've seen from Toronto the last few years. Yeah, and I, that's a good point because they actually brought up those two names in this article. It says, his approach is considered unique and fresh. This is an area where the Pacers have lagged while Toronto has prospered with undrafted free agents such as Fred Van Vliet and Terrence Davis and overlooked pro, uh, prospects such as Pascal Siakam. He also goes on to say Bjorgren believes he can make the combination, yes, the combination of Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis work. They did it with Serge Ibaka and Marcus Saul in Toronto. Both of those are older players who are willing to sacrifice playing time while Turner and Sabonis want to start. So I think that's an interesting thing too, because I really, you know, I think we've been talking about trading Turner and doing this and trading Oladipo and all this stuff. And why that stuff might happen, it might not happen as soon as we might hope for it to. And, and I kind of felt like Pritchard coming out and saying that Sabonis and Turner want to play together. I think that they don't want to give up on one of them and then end up with that player becoming, you know, great somewhere else and having to deal with that. So I think that they might be hesitant to trade Turner. And I think that this comment right here in this article kind of highlights that for me, Fudge. I, I love the fact that they're already talking about that, of making that work because 
it feels like we haven't heard too many comments about that still, you know, being something that the Pacers are going to try and make work. There's just been a lot of news of, are they trading Oladipo? Are they trading Turner? This, this, and that, <laughs> you know, we shouldn't have to be in a rush to trade miles Turner by any means. Right. It's Oladipo that, that you can say, okay, I understand why there's rumors about him. So, you know, it's true. Toronto did have two bigs that, that were, you know, playing really well. You know, obviously Gasol's on the backer end, you know, the back end part of his career may actually be done in the NBA, but played good enough for obviously Toronto to win the big one. So I'd like to see more of Turner and, and Sabonis because maybe maybe it was Nate McMillan that wasn't able to get it work to work. Maybe those yeah. two can. So let, let's see what Nate can do here. The, the more recent Nate, that is. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily – something that I'm too concerned about because I think both can work together. They just have to figure out the right way to play and and maybe Bjorgren can do that. But at the same time, I wouldn't, you know, invest too much stock into this as well because like, what are they going to say? Well, he doesn't believe they can work. They're going to trade him. No, they're not going to say that. And it it would just completely, you know, deteriorate one of their, one of their big men's uh, value. If the Pacers are actively like, if people actively know the Pacers are trying to move on from one of them, you know, and especially in a report like that, to me, it kind of would be a little bit of a red flag because I wouldn't want anybody knowing that we're trying to trade one of them. So I think saying they want to see them, you know, work together, like it might kind of tick their value up a little bit more. I'm not sure, but that's kind of what I'm thinking in my head because possibly because I just don't think that two centers make a lot of sense, even though the Raptors were really beneficial from it. I thought they probably had two guys that were in totally different spots in their careers, because you got to think about it. Turner and Sabonis are what, 23 years old. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. But Fachi, I want to, I want to jump into the 21st century approach, this little column here that are these two paragraphs here that Jay Michael put out on his article. I'm going to read them real quick to you. And I want your thoughts on them. Um, when the Pacers were in the bubble as Indy star reported at the time, they noticed how the Raptors ran practices. They were much shorter, about 45 minutes. They seemed to get more done in that span than the Pacers, who'd work for two hours. Pacers president Kevin Pritchard has a good relationship with Raptors head coach Nick Nurse. There also was more one-on-one time between players and the head coach. Bjorgren has the personality to relate to players and calm what has been a disjointed uh, locker room in Indiana. McMillan, who learned from legendary NBA Olympic champion coach Chuck Daly, refused to get involved in personal issues with his players. So, your thoughts on that? I love it. Because the old way isn't always the right way. I yep. mean, this is this is a different time right now. I mean, people, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, this is not. It, it's a softer era right now. Guys need to be a little bit more uh, catered to. They just want to know that you're on their side. No one wants to, you know, play for a dictator. I'm not saying that Nate McMillan was by any means, but to have a strong coach-player relationship cannot be understated. It's extremely important now. Mm-hmm. And also the, the days of, of practicing for hours and hours, it's, it's just not what works anymore. If you can get a lot people want to be more efficient. They want to work smarter, not harder. You know, if you can get more done in less time, I think, you know, everyone's going to be happy. Obviously, you know, it needs to translate. You're not going to continue to have short practices if you're not winning, but there needs to be a different approach. And I think it's going to be a refreshing approach for these, yeah. you know, these p- current Pacer players uh, to just have a, a fresh, younger face in there, someone who sees the game more relatable to the players now instead of how it was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know the full extent of it, but it didn't sound like Nate McMillan had a great relationship with Oladipo. It sounded like it was kind of deteriorating with, you know, potentially Miles Turner. I mean, it, 
I'm sure there's a lot more that we're not aware of, but it feels like someone like Nate Bjorken is just younger and more with the times. And this is, this is what the NBA needs. This is what sports needs. It's just the old ways are quite frankly, the old ways. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think Dan McMillan is called the Sarge for a reason. And I think for four years, I mean, they had him for three, but mostly with this core that can kind of wear out on you a little bit. So I think like, the, the thing that keeps reoccurring with Bjorgren and, and his personality is how positive he is. And I think that if you can, you know, Malcolm Brogdon talked about this, like having a player's coach that knows when to give guys time off. Well, I mean, if they're having one-on-one conversations all the time and he's actively involved in what's going on in their life and their basketball life and their basketball world, their personal life, you know, just being in a positive influence, that's going to help. But also the 45 minute practices that's going to help their bodies last a little bit longer because I feel like, you know, as a, as a drill sergeant, McMillan probably, you know, had a little bit longer practices, which would wear out on the players and then lead to lingering injuries. And so maybe they're thinking, Hey, we can get someone that's more with the times, but lastly here, Fachi, as we wrap this segment up, uh, Bjorgren will have the autonomy to choose his assistants, but given that the Pacers have interviewed so many candidates, they're, they're expected to help if needed. What's clear is the Pacers process is uh, in the Pacers process as they were determined to not hire a retread. They wanted someone who skewed younger and the opposite of McMillan. They wanted someone not reluctant to make a change and then change again, because that didn't work out. So that's interesting there to me, because it looks like, like I, like I've been kind of thinking for the past week now, to me, if Chris Finch is not hired, he would make a ton of sense on this roster. Oh, I would love that. I would really love that because Chris Finch is someone who, you know, based on the last episode that we were doing, we were talking, I started to sell myself on him. <laughs> I started yeah. diving into Pelican stats, and, and this is, this is a, I believe, one of the better offensive-minded, you know, assistant coaches in the league. And I, I do think that the combination of Chris Finch and Nate Bjorken would be great. I honestly yeah. think that, obviously – while neither has been a head coach in the NBA, that's that's really promising. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit where it looks like Chauncey's going to sign with, you know, I, I don't know if it's been made official, but with the Clippers and, you know, there's there's rumors of, you know, maybe Mike D'Antoni, if it doesn't work out, going to Brooklyn as an assistant coach. And I think that what we saw with the Lakers, we saw Jason Kidd become an assistant coach with Frank Vogel. I mean, it, it's it seems like a good idea to be able to pair two necessarily top assistance as you know I don't know if he would be an associate head coach or anything of the sort like that but at the same point it would be great to just have a guy like Chris Finch there you know I wouldn't see any of the Miami guys leaving to just become another assistant coach so I don't think we're going to see a Dan Craig or a Chris Quinn on the move to just be another assistant when they got a good thing going in Miami but Chris Finch could be someone that is on the move as an assistant if not hired as a head coach. Yeah, because that's kind of the thing. It's like, I'm sure the guy is ready to get a head coaching gig, but if he doesn't get one, I mean, what's he going to do? Just sit on the sideline and pout? No, he's probably going to go out there and keep working hard because he's a coach that wants to get his name out there. And I mean, hey, if there's an opening to be the, you know, the Pacers assistant head coach and then work with these big guys and he gets paid a decent amount of money, I think that'd be really enticing. So um, we got some more things to talk about here in our last segment. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will discuss some of the things that have been reported on Oladipo and, and maybe uh, some other players that have been involved in the offseason rumors. All right, everybody, we're back. And 
We're going to talk a little bit about some stuff that was just interesting talk about Victor Oladipo and things. So, Fachi, where do you want to start off with this? Well, man, obviously the Oladipo rumors I feel like are only going to be heating up. It, it feels like almost every other day there's a new one. And one of the latest that I heard was that Oladipo's interest in Miami may be a little bit more than Miami's interested in him. Now, we've felt like for quite some time that Oladipo had interest in Miami Heat. And it was upsetting, especially, you know, we all remember when Oladipo was, you know, dapping up Heat players, right, you know, right before the playoffs when we knew we were going to play them. And it was, there was still a lot of bad blood there. So it wasn't a good look, but it's felt like for quite some time that that would be an ideal destination for him. Um, But the more that we hear these reports, I don't think it helps his trade value. I think it only hurts. I think that now it kind of gets to the point where it feels similar to that Paul George situation where when you know he might want out, you're only going to really pay, I don't want to say pennies on the dollar, but it's not going to be the full thing, especially when it's coming out more and more that Oladipo wants that max. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody, but I don't think there's anyone right now that believes that he's worth a max right now. No, I don't think he's worth a max either. And that's what's funny is because I've been listening to some different podcasts talk about what is his value. And so on Monday, everybody was talking about the Hoop Collective podcast with Brian Windhorst, Kevin Pelton, and Tim Bontemps. And they just, you know, basically they just felt like Oladipo's value wasn't that high. And then you, then you flip over and, and Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons did a podcast on the Low Post. And, and they had some different trade ideas uh, evolve, involving Oladipo. And one of the things that came up, and it was actually, you know, not aggregated, but they, they took that quote and shared it yesterday on Twitter. And it was Zach Lowe said, all I'm saying is when it comes to Oladipo, keep your eyes on the Milwaukee Bucks. because That's all I'm saying. So I don't know exactly if he knows anything or not, but it would make a lot of sense if Milwaukee is really trying to get their hands on someone to, to make Giannis feel like they're trying to go out there and spend and do something. And personally, like I just said this, I'm like, look, any, any trade idea that the Pacers would, would send Oladipo to Milwaukee, they're going to have to take Eric Bledsoe back. And uh, Eric Bledsoe is a good defender and Eric Bledsoe is a good basketball player. I just don't like him in Indiana Fauci. Not at all. Alex, I want no part of Eric Bledsoe. I, I understand that he was on the all defensive team, you know, this year, I believe it was the first team. It might've been, maybe second, yeah. but I believe first. Um, I want no part of it. When he got that contract extension, I thought it was a bad idea. I don't want to be the one that inherits it. So I could see Oladipo being like that perfect candidate for the Bucks to be able to acquire, you know, maybe it's like Bledsoe and like DiVincenzo, but is that really the best that we could do? I mean, it's, it, it's, I'm just not interested in that. I, I'm really not. It reminds me of kind of when the Cavs were looking to keep LeBron and they started to make a trade for like, you know, Antoine Jameson and stuff like that because they couldn't get you – know, I'm not trying to compare Antoine Jameson to Oladipo right now, but it just feels like is Oladipo really enough to convince, you know, Giannis to stay? And even then, they wouldn't be able to sign him to a deal. So while it makes sense short term, I, I don't know if – if that really materializes, but if we're going to be the team that gets Eric Bledsoe, I want out of it. I'm hanging up. Yeah. I mean, I'm not necessarily hanging up just because I don't know what else they can give me. Like what if they give you Dante DiVincenzo, somebody that's, you know, still pretty young and showed some, you know, nice flashes this year. I mean, I think when you look at it, it's like with, with Navy Orgren as the coach now, someone that's known for developing, 
one of the things that I said is I want a coach that knows how to develop, but also knows how to win games. But are the Pacers going to have to take a little bit of a backseat here to winning now because they've, they've hired a developmental coach in a sense? I don't know. And, and so like, if you get DiVincenzo, somebody that you want to develop, well, that could be enticing, but it's like Eric Bledsoe to me is just somebody that I'm not in love with. Um, <laughs> he's, he's a fine basketball player. I just don't know how great he'd be here fit wise. And I'm not really sure how Brogdon would, would take to it seeing that that was kind of the reason that he left Milwaukee is because they picked Bledsoe over him. So it'd be, it'd be kind of different, but yeah, I mean, there's other trades I guess you could make up over there. I don't really think there's a lot of picks. Maybe they could give the Pacers their pick back for this year's draft. That'd be interesting as well, but I'm just, I'm just not sure. And so one of the trades that Bill Simmons threw out there and I actually looked it up. I don't actually think this one actually would work uh, based on salary cap reasons because of the, the Brooklyn Nets tax situation. So we would have to take on a, uh, at least two, $2 million, I believe it is, from Brooklyn. But basically the Pacers trade Oladipo to the Nets. The Nets then trade Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, and the 19th overall pick over to Golden State, who's got a $17 million trade exception. So they're able to just to kind of swallow this cap um, from those two players. And then the Pacers would get um, the second overall pick in the NBA draft uh, this coming this coming draft. So I'm thinking to myself, like, if the Pacers could get rid of Oladipo for the number two in this year's draft, uh, I, I would probably consider it, especially if they don't have to take any bad contracts on, like an Andrew Wiggins or, you know, like a Harrison Barnes, like we mentioned earlier, and other, and other ideas. But then I realized, well, the Pacers have to take at least $2 million back. So you can get somebody, like, cheap, like, uh, I think it was, like, Musa or something like that from uh, from from Brooklyn, just to kind of make the, the trade work cap wise. And he's a he's a shooter, so I I mean personally like that to me was a, a really interesting de- uh, interesting deal. But I think the conclusion was that the the Nets would be giving up way too much for Oladipo. But I don't know. I mean, if they don't have to give up Karis Levert, that seems kind of enticing to me. I don't think that there's a Pacer fan on this earth that wouldn't trade essentially Oladipo for the number two overall pick. Yeah. I cannot fathom that deal happening without someone taking back Andrew Wiggins, though. The thing is, is you know, you could bring Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, the 19th pick to Golden State, but is Allen the best fit over there? I mean, he's, he's not going to be – he's a, he's a traditional center. Well, they need I, a center. They need size. That's the problem. They, they, they do need size, but, I mean, you're not going to be getting any shooting from him. He, he's as traditional as it gets. Good, yeah. good center, good young player. Dinwiddie's going to opt out. I mean, he's got one year left, and then he's, he's hitting free agency. Jared Allen's going to need a new deal. I can't imagine them doing that without unloading that Andrew Wiggins contract. I crunched some numbers. between They do have that $17 million trade exception. However, if they use that, they're gonna, their tax bill is going to be at about $65 million. Yeah, they don't so, care. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I read that, you know, their owner was saying they will use it if, the, if a special opportunity presents itself. Now, yeah. is that opportunity Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, the 19th pick? I don't know. You get the number two, you know, come on. You get the number two overall pick. This is your chance to unload that Wiggins contract. Did the math between Curry, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond that's $130 million in four players for just next year. Yeah. No, to get rid of Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Well, that's what, the, that's what they get for taking on that contract, yep. which, which is still a major negative. And it's like, you know, one thing that I said on yesterday's podcast that I want to reiterate if people are listening because this is the coaching podcast that we're talking about. 
when it comes to Oladipo, there's only two ty- two types of teams that will trade for him. One, a championship contender that that has players already established that that feels like Oladipo could return to his former self and be that second, third, or fourth star. Or two, a team that is wanting to have cap relief for the 2021 offseason where they can make a run at Giannis. And, and to me, that's why Dallas is the most intriguing team to deal Oladipo to because they really want Giannis. The Pacers probably don't want to trade Oladipo to an Eastern Conference foe. You send them out west, and I'm not even sure what return you get, but I mean, I would basically uh, think it'd be something around either Kleba or Dwight Powell based on who they want, and then probably between Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee, one of those two contracts coming back to the Pacers. And, and I tell you one reason why Dallas might be intrigued to do it as well is not only will they get cap relief with Oladipo's expiring, but if Oladipo shows that he could be really good, they could offer him a really nice contract as well because they still got Luca on a rookie deal. And, and then they could have Porzingis, Giannis, Oladipo, and Luca in the Western Conference. Like, if, those all, if all those guys are healthy, that's a scary team out West, and it's not the Pacers' problem. So I think that that's something that would be – that's a team that's intriguing to me, Fachi. But as far as contenders go, I think that Brooklyn makes a lot of sense. Golden State doesn't really make any because they don't need a wing – but I do think Denver could make some some sense if they miss out on a Drew Holiday type of player. Uh, Brooklyn makes a ton of sense. Uh, I really do think that that could be a team that I've had my eyes on them for a while. And for Dallas, you can't put anything past Mark Cuban. Mark, Mark Cuban finally got back into the playoffs last year, and I don't think he wants to ever miss it again. He knows yeah. Luka is you know one of the most talented players on this earth. He's going to surround him with talent. He's made he's made it no surprise that basically. Or, you know, I don't know he's able to say it, but it's been rumored for a while that Dallas is going to go all in on Giannis. So being able to create the money for it, I, I think that they're definitely going to be looking to do that. So, yeah, you know, I, w- I wouldn't uh, rule out, you know, potential Old Depot to Dallas situation. You just got to find me a way to get Seth Curry in there, Alex. You got to <laughs> – I need him. Squeeze him in there somewhere. Oh, man, you're going to make people vomit over here, like, worried about Seth Curry. Like, I was laughing because – I brought up yesterday, like the the Mavericks, and, and the first thing Kent said is, "I want Jalen Brunson back in a deal," <laughs> and I, and he's like, "I just like him. I've liked him since he was in sixth grade. He's like, he's just a great all around pro. I think he'd be a great backup point guard, and he makes Aaron Holiday expendable." And I'm like, "Yeah, I get that." And I've got people actually messaging me on Twitter like, "Why is Kent so excited about Jalen Brunson?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brunson, and, you know, it's him. <laughs> It's cute. But, yeah, yeah. Know. It's a personal thing. And I, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he liked him coming into the draft. So maybe that's just his guy, kind of like Gogus, his guy. But I, that is one thing we did talk about. It's like if you have to attach Aaron Holiday to one of Oladipo or, or Turner to, to get a really nice deal and a really nice return, how willing are you to do that? Because I know they're both really young guys and, and it's hard to give up on them. But at the same time, Fachi, if you can get somebody back that you really like, I mean, I don't really think Aaron's ever going to be a starter in this league. If he is, he's going to be like a fifth option starter. So I'm not too worried about trading him if I have to. I'm not, and there there is buzz. Uh, there's been buzz about Aaron Holiday from other teams. We've heard about other teams calling the Pacers about Aaron Last Holiday. Last two seasons. And, and I like the idea that the Pacers shot it down because we've seen Holiday get better, raises his trade value. I think he'll continue to get better. But like you mentioned before, is he good enough to be a starting point guard on a team in the NBA? 
I don't know. Is he good enough to be a starting point guard on like a playoff team? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, he, he's undersized. There's nothing you can do about that. He he is a good player. I like him personally off the bench. I do. Uh, I think that there's a lot of good stuff he brings to the table. Um, but I think that he's the perfect player to kind of include in a deal. You know, not be the, the featured piece by any means, but just include him in there. I, I really like that. Yeah, and I and I think one thing too, like this is um, part of why you brought in the coach Nate Bjorgren to develop guys like Aaron Holiday, and so that might be why the Pacers are like, nah, we we, we want to see what we can get with a coach that's not going to put Aaron in the doghouse because we've talked about it. McMillan has absolutely destroyed, not destroyed, but he was not very uh, his leash the leash was very short with Aaron Holiday and McMillan. I feel like Bjorgren's going to figure out a way. To, to let Aaron Holiday, you know, grow and and use his previous experience coaching in the G League and developing players with Toronto to help elevate his game because he probably saw, he probably remembers that game when Aaron Holiday was going off against the Raptors when they won in overtime. So yeah, I'm sure, does. so I'm sure he knows that there's some potential there. And so, yeah, I mean, we got a pretty young roster. So oh, I'm yeah. not, a, I'm not opposed to it, but yeah. I think it's interesting. I'm, I'm excited, though, Fotch. Now that we have our coach in place, we can kind of start feeling some things out and maybe trying to figure out which direction this team is going because right now, if you have a young you know, coach that's kind of in that developmental uh, stage or has that developmental um, attribute attached to his resume, that has me thinking the Pacers might end up trying to trade into this draft. Pacer fans, it's time to get excited because I, I do think that there's just, I don't know, there's something different about this this hiring. It just feels like with Nate McMillan, I remember when Nate was, you know, he, was our, he had been an assistant coach with the Pacers and you had seen what he had done and, you know, in the in past, you know, spots, Seattle, Portland. It, it, it didn't feel like it was like, oh my God, this is a, you know, a huge, huge signing. It was like, oh, okay, nice. Yeah, head coach, you know, playoff experience, Team USA experience. All right, great. It feels like this could be, I don't even want to say a diamond in a rough because he's coming from a good situation, but I just do feel like some of the young guys are going to be able to develop, you know, just better than they were before. A guy like Gogo that we were like, oh man, I, you know, I, I just don't know. Now I, I feel positive that it's like, hey, give the man some time. Like let Nate work with him. And, and I feel like we're going to get some positive results here. Aaron Holiday, another player you mentioned, I could very well see that. I mean, Nate McMillan just in the past just, really wasn't a fan of the youth. I mean, I don't think T.J. Leaf did anything to really warrant more playing time, but definitely wasn't getting any. And, you know, Goga, obviously, you know, he had his his struggles with just being able to, you know, either stay healthy or just get on the court, foul trouble, whatever it is, et cetera. You know, we meant you talked about the short leash on Aaron Holiday. I mean, I know at times he, he liked Sumner, but at times we didn't see Sumner for a long time. It just feels like when you mentioned we're a young team, I believe the average age was, I could be a little bit off, but I believe it was about 25.6 years for the Pacers. Uh, you know, they had one guy over 30, which was Justin Holiday, who may not even be back. There's, there's talent to develop here. It, it, this isn't like a roster that's, oh man, you know, what are we going to do? What do we have here? No, there's, there's good talent here. It's just about being able to get more of it. Can we maximize that talent? And I feel like Bjorken's going to be someone who's going to relate to these players well to be able to get that extra 10% out of them. So for that, Hey, if it does mean trying to trade into, you know, late in the first round, middle of the first round, whatever you can do, I'm excited about knowing that we'll be able to develop that player well enough when in the past, I mean, Pacers have been good at developing players, but we haven't 
necessarily struck gold on our last few picks. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. So I just want to say this, that Nate Bjorgren will actually be live tomorrow on a Zoom conference call with the media at 11 o'clock. So we're going to hear more from him as uh, I'm not sure that'll be live. I don't think they do those live, but I'm sure there'll be some reporting from uh, Tyler Smith at Indy Sports Legends, uh, you know, our lead uh, site writer there and uh, editor-in-chief. He'll be joining me tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll rehash some of those conversations that the media had with Nate. And we're also going to have – one of the uh, Toronto Raptors, someone who covers the Toronto Raptors. Um, let me see, let me get her name here real quick, just so you guys can look her up because she is uh, she does a great job. Her name is her her handle on Twitter is I believe it's Kelsia, so it's K E L S E A underscore lately. And she said, if you look at her profile picture, she kind of has a Mariah Carey lookalike uh, face. So it's kind of funny, but yeah, I was I was recommended to her. Uh, because of her ability um, with knowing the G League and stuff like that. So I think that tomorrow will be a really fun, interesting conversation with her as well. So we'll get to know a little bit more about Nate Bjorgren. But Fachi, yeah, Pacer fans got to be excited. Uh, You said it right. And if people are like, why would they hire him? That's a terrible hire. It's like, they don't even know who this guy is. So before we make any judgments, like I'm not saying like, oh, he's the greatest coach ever, but I think his resume speaks for itself. He gives you some, he gives you hope. He gives you you know, something to be excited for. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But, hey, I'd rather have it work out or have it not work out with a guy that we don't know than, than, you know, bring a guy in here that's proven time and time again that, uh, you know, he's he's not a championship-level coach. So that, to me, is where I'm at. And, you know, I'm just excited for the future of this team. Exactly. If Mike D'Antoni couldn't get it done with, you know, James Harden, Chris Paul, and Russell Westbrook, eh, I mean, come on. I don't think he's going to be getting it done with, with the players that we have. No offense to the players that we have, but there's just not an MVP candidate when you already just had two MVPs on the same team, the same backcourt. So guy like Chauncey Billups, hey, a little bit inexperienced like that. He, he will be a head coach probably at some point in the mm-hmm. NBA, but for right now, for having never been a head coach in the NBA, I don't know what more Nate Bjorken could have accomplished Absolutely. than what he already has. Absolutely agree, Fachi. So um, I think that wraps up today's show. So you guys can follow us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3, over at Instagram at Pacers Talk. I'm on, I'm on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. My man Fachi is on Twitter and, and Instagram at underscore F-A-C-C-I. And Fachi, do you have any final words? At the end of the day, let's go Pacers. All right, Pacer Nation. Peace out. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.